Okay, good evening, everyone. Welcome to our Wednesday night study. This is why we have the Psalms, part 16 tonight. We've been at this for four months now, and uh, good thing is, as it turns out, there are 100 and, as I recall, 50, is that right? 150 Psalms. So, I mean, you know, we've got room to grow. So if you're here tonight, you've logged on, go ahead and let me know that you're here. Just leave me a comment in there so I can know that everything is working fine and sounding good. And then we'll jump into uh, tonight's study. So somebody leave me a little note there if you would. want to say welcome to everyone who is listening. Uh, whenever you're listening, uh, whether you're at the gym or you are uh, driving to work, however you're doing it, uh, through podcast, whenever you're listening, glad that you are. So for those of you that are logging on through Facebook tonight, see you jumping on there. Good evening, everyone. Uh, go ahead and hit the share button if you would, and feel free to comment as we move along. Uh, here's a pro tip. I, I learned this from a theology professor. So if you think that theology doesn't have anything to teach us about real life, think again. So in some of the recordings, you'll hear like a, a low-grade uh, hum, you know, and that's the fan on the laptop. Whenever you have your laptop running for a long time, you got a lot of stuff going on with it, uh, then at that point, uh, your fan's going to kick on and you're going to hear it the whole time. Well, I thought, you know, uh, we can fix this. Somebody has to know how to fix this. And my old theology professor said, uh, put an ice pack under your laptop. And so I went in there and couldn't find a ice uh, pack, but I do have a Newman's own uncured pepperoni box sitting up underneath my laptop. So uh, by the time this is done, I might have a fully cooked pepperoni pizza as well. Actually, we're eating breakfast dinner tonight, so breakfast omelet. Hope that, uh, hope that you're having a good dinner at some point as well. Well, it is time to jump in. So Psalm 105... I think I'm going to read through verse 15, otherwise uh, it's 45 verses. You can check those out, but let's listen along tonight. Psalm 105, O give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his peace continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Abraham, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When they were few in number, of little account, and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people. He allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, 
saying, Touch not my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. So Psalm 105, they don't know this for sure, but they think that it was penned in exile. So the people, as we've seen before in other Psalms, they've been uprooted from their homeland and they've been taken to a foreign land. And that's the potential backdrop for Psalm 105. And so everything that happens here happens while they're uprooted. So this is usually classified as a historical psalm. It's meant to remind them. However, the point is to remind Israel of its history, but the higher point is to remind Israel of who they are so that they can enter into their future. So God calls them to remember the best of their past so that they can live God's best present so that God can lead them into a preferred future. And how does it do this? It does this by evoking gratitude for being God's chosen people. So with that in mind, we're going to jump in here and verse 12, we're just going to unpack 12 through 15 this evening. And it reads, when they were a few in number of little account and sojourners in it. So they were a minority people. They were few in number. They weren't many to speak of. They didn't hold much power in any uh, measurable way. People weren't exactly threatened by them at this point in time. They were outsiders. The people of God are often called sojourners or strangers in some places. In other places, like in Genesis, they're referred to as aliens. They were people on the move. And it's these people on the move, these ragtag band of ragamuffins and outsiders, these people on the margins, these people on the move, um, they are the ones who God picked to carry his character and his message, to carry the good news into the world. God always desired that Israel would be a light among the nations. And so God picked, God picked the people of no account, of no reputation, so to speak, uh, in terms of their might or their power. They were few in number. And God's like, that's, that's who I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick the few. And you see this over and over and again in Scripture. You see God picking the few, God picking the underdog, uh, whether it's with Gideon or whether it's with uh, David. People of, of no account, God says, that's exactly the ones that I'm going to use. So if you feel like things are disjointed right now, constantly moving, out of sorts, this is precisely when God reminds us that it's in times like these, when you feel like you're in exile, when you feel outnumbered in so many ways. Um, and listen, let me just say this in good Christian love. And I, I, I said this under previous administrations. This is, this is not anything about our president, and this is not... Um, this is not a political statement. This is a theological statement with political implications. You know, the, the gospel does have political implications. So we don't shy away from engaging in the, the common good for our society. But I just want to say that if you think that the path um, ahead for Christians involves electing somebody who necessarily believes the same way that you believe, uh, that has traditionally not necessarily gone well in terms of church history. It was not a high point for the proliferation or the flourishing of the true church, the, the core of the church, whenever it was co-opted in the fourth century by Constantine. 
church true church church historians don't look on on that time frame as one where like the true the true church really rose up in fact you see uh people fleeing from that in order to get out in order to get out on the margins because any time that religion is co-opted by government the religion loses its edge it loses its teeth it, it loses its ability to speak prophetically and to speak truth because it's concerned that it will fall out of political power and what God wants to give his church is not political power. What God wants to give his church is Holy Spirit power that influences politics, that influences uh, social justice, that influences the marketplace, that influences the church. And so we're, it's not that we wouldn't vote for a person who is like us. It's just that the path ahead, the path that God will use to continually prosper his church is not dependent upon having the right person in the Oval Office. And so do we want a godly person, a person of character? And if they're a Christian, so be it. Uh, and yet at the same point in time, we're not putting our hope in the president. We're putting our hope in Jesus. And so we pray for our president. God bless our president. God bless the person who's president next, whether it's the same person or not. But what, however that turns out, it's, it's not like uh, God's not going to advance his kingdom. Whatever those kingdoms rise and fall, kings come and go. But the glory of the Lord endures forever. And so we're a people who put our first trust. We're, we're people of faith in Christ first and foremost. And so we're, we're, we're not counting on masses. We're counting on the Holy Spirit. And we may come in vogue and we may go out of vogue. And it doesn't matter much because God is not dependent upon uh, numbers. God is always looking for faithfulness and obedience uh, to his word. And so we can have hope. Um, verse number 13, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people. Um, so a general reading of the history of the people of God, when you read over just the story of God's people in, in the Old Testament, what you see is that the longer they were landed or grounded in their own place, uh, that it generally caused them to grow complacent and comfortable and to not trust in the Lord. And it was during those times that God would send or God would allow uh, opposing forces, foreigners to come in and to seize them, to disrupt things. And ultimately the prophets or spiritual leadership would have to call them back to repentance. So even though God wanted to bring them into a promised land, Oftentimes, the more settled they became, the worse that they became in their trust of God. And so here we find ourselves as, as a people of faith, as Generations United Church, or maybe you're watching from another part of the country and you're part of a different faith community, and this is a real form of church for you. Uh, or watching Sunday mornings online is a real form of church for you. Or maybe you've gone, your church has gone back to church and, you know, there's just not as many people there or there aren't the programs that there were and it just feels disjointed. You might feel like you're a little bit in exile, that the things that are normal have been taken from you or you've been taken from those things. And what I would say to you is, is during those seasons where your faith actually has the opportunity to really become more muscular, that, that your inner life becomes more sinewy and strong and vibrant, that you're not trusting the programs, that you're not trusting the crowds, that you're not trusting even the sense of energy, that when all of that's gone, what's up underneath that? And it could be that the path ahead 
for people of Christian faith is going to be one of, of going deeper, even with fewer people, rather than uh, going wider with more people. We don't know how things are going to turn out. And what I would say is it's not the program that matters. It's not the place that matters. In fact, uh, a friend of mine uh, with whom I, I, I served alongside for several years, he said that the people of God, the true people of God, have always been nameless and faceless and placeless. Nameless in the sense that it's not about the name that's on the door. The only name they care about is Jesus. Faceless in the sense that it's not that they want recognition for anything. It's that they want the King of Kings to get all of the glory. And placeless in the sense that it's not about being at a building. It's about being the people of God on mission. And that's what this psalm reminds us. It reminds us of all the things that God has done. And if I were to have read more, you would have heard about Joseph and other uh, great uh, people of faith throughout the, the time of Scripture. You would have heard about that. But God wants us to remember that, uh, that we're a people on the move, a small people, an exiled people, a people of no account. And we matter to him in that way. So, verse number 14, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account. Some people think this is about Sarah. Whenever uh, Abraham told a tall tale about who she was, uh, being his sister and his wife, so they wouldn't, you know, abuse him, so to speak. He hands his wife over. Not his most exemplary moment. Um, but, and he didn't allow the kings to, to touch her. But um, whatever, the, whatever the case is, Whatever it's about, it's, it's not a foolproof promise. It's a story, it's a statement recounting how God kept them from, as it says, he rebuked kings on their account and allowed no one to oppress them. Um, but it's not a foolproof promise. And the, the way that we can know that is, what about the Holocaust? What, what about the persecuted church, the underground church around the world? So we, we can't say that God doesn't allow kings, as it were, to oppress God's people. That, that's, um, that's naive. Okay. Now, God may have kept kings from oppressing God's people, as it's said here, but it doesn't mean that God always keeps kings from oppressing God's people. Um, so that, that's not what's being said here, that you will never suffer. In fact, um, you know, it's said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, that it's, it's the suffering that actually is often the time where the church uh, really flourishes because it separates the wheat from the, the chaff, so to speak. It, 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 it removes all of the distractions, all of the comfortabilities, and it, it causes you to really dial in, like, do I, do I love Jesus? What really matters? And some would say that the church is being oppressed right now. Uh, I, I personally, reasonable people can disagree. Churches are not being oppressed because some, in some places they're not being asked to gather uh, it's actually probably the best way to love your neighbor, um, and I don't I don't want to get into all that. You can disagree with me on that, uh, but what we want to do is is love our neighbors as ourselves. And you know, churches are allowed to gather here in Florida. They're I don't think they're gathering in California right now. That's not oppressing. That's not oppressing the church. Let's not go there. Listen, the apostles would laugh at you if you said that that was church oppression. <laughs> they 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 wandered about hiding in sheepskins. They, they were sawn in two and boiled. 
Um, that's oppression. I, I think that they would roll their eyes, frankly. It's not oppression if, if you're asked to wear a mask somewhere. That's, that's not an oppression of your faith. What, 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 what would be an oppression for your faith is being afraid for your, for your life. And we're not there. So, so let's not be the people who are, are crying you know, out about those types of things. I'm all about civil liberties and everything else. I'm just saying that this isn't the time to go all conspiracy theory. This is the time to be dialed in to following Jesus. You can get distracted by a lot of politics. You can get distracted by a lot of media. Let's be the people of God who are loving our neighbor as ourselves. Let's be the people of God who are focused on the word of God and, and not, not focused on, you know, whatever the latest headline might be of the day that allows us to get all, all cornfoozled, which is a theological uh, term. Verse number uh, 15, saying, uh, touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. Abraham's called a prophet in Genesis chapter 20. Uh, prophets and kings, the anointed ones, were known as God's servants. And here in Psalms 105, the chosen ones, God's servants, actually isn't a king or it actually isn't a prophet. The chosen one label is applied, chosen one's label is applied to God's people, all of them, that that they are the chosen ones. They're the ones who are called to carry God's message. And God does protect us. God does watch over us. And even in our ultimate physical demise. We're not to fear the one who can kill the body, but to fear the one who has the power of life and death over the soul. So your, your life is going to end. Sooner or later, your life is going to end. And one day you'll look Jesus in the eye. And what we're most concerned about is not whether, in it, what, not, whether or not we were in power, not whether or not we were popular. Listen, we, we're going to be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. And so let's focus on him and let's lean into him and whatever comes our way, let's trust him. And let's, let's also pray that the Lord would rebuke any plans of the enemy against his church. That if there are subtle things that are brewing that are meant to disrupt the body of Christ, and, and certainly some things that are happening that are disrupting the way that we're doing church. But if God can do anything, God can use even those things. I really believe that this is one of the most important moments. It is the most important moment in my lifetime in the, in the life of the church, the Big C Church. But I think that history will look back on this moment as a time where God refocused his church, where God repositioned his church, where God reclaimed his church, and where God unplugged us from a lot of the things that were feeding us empty spiritual calories and set our hearts on mission and set our hearts on journey. I think that God is, is dialing us in by taking us back to what matters. And I think that we are like these people, that we are like these children of Israel, that we are few in number. Listen, I, I'm, I'm looking across right now. I wanna just scroll through the screen for just a second, if you'll give me a moment. I see Alicia, I see Wanda and Brian, I see Kim, I see Tom and Kayla and Sherry, just gonna read a few of the names. There's Mary, Christine, there's Will. So some of these people I haven't seen in, in a long time. They're scattered. They're scattered around. And yet they'll, they're still here. And I bet that if you were to ask them right now, they would say that over these last few months, God has really moved in their lives. And so even this past week, you, you learned that 
that we're not going to be gathering as a body at 108 Highway 85 North uh, for the next little bit, that our pastor has heard from the Lord and is following the leadership of the Lord. And other churches are, you know, they had they had scattered and then they came back together and uh, they're just now coming back together. And here we are, we came back together and we're just now scattering again. Okay, we're still the people of God. We're still on mission. And frankly, we're not looking to other churches for what we're supposed to do because Jesus will lead his church. And we're trusting the leadership of the Holy Spirit for what's right for us. And let other places do what they're going to do. Comparison is the thief of joy. And I believe that shepherds that are listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit will know what's best for their flock and their congregation, which may be different than what's best for us. But as long as we're dialed into his word, as long as we're dialed into prayer, there are some things that are in my heart that I can't even share with you tonight. Our, our pastor just called us as a staff to prayer. He called us as a staff to dream. He, he said, I don't even want to hear what your plans are today because I feel like the Holy Spirit's going to just breathe some new ideas into your heart and into your minds. And I believe that over these next few weeks, you'll hear some life-giving vision coming out of our pastor and out of uh, this church that is going to just breathe life into your soul. That's coming. We're, we're, we're not just you know jumping on the program bandwagon of what we think will work. We're listening and dialed into what God has for us. And it's like level 10 in the intensity realm right now. And so I want to encourage you to pray. I want to encourage you to seek the Lord. I want to encourage you to say, God, how do you want to use me during this new season that you're calling our church into? I think Genu Stronger is more than a slogan. It's a commitment. And we're going to get stronger and stronger and stronger as the people of God. So the wonderful works of Psalm 105, they not only rehearse the past, but in rehearsing the past, they anticipate the future. Listen, you are the chosen ones. You are the anointed ones. And God reminds us of who he is. God reminds us of what he's done. And God reminds us of who we are so that can, God can remind us of what we're called to do. And that's to be the people of God, wherever we are, however many or few. As God uh, has invited us into this new season, as a people in some sense of exile, we're not called to live in the past, but to remember God's works of the past so that we can enter God's works in the present. So we'll be ready for what God is inviting us into in the future. My friends, I, I want to I want to just reiterate, we love you, and we are about more than the programs that, that might be missing from, from some of your lives right now. God is about to do something in the life of this church that I think we'll look back on in years to come and say only the Holy Spirit could have seen what was coming, and only the Holy Spirit could have positioned us in the way that he did, because he loves his church so much. Do not shrink back. You are the people of God. Amen.